Asa and the other people for leading us in worship this morning. If you have your Bibles today, turn to John chapter 5. That's where we'll be. Happy Mother's Day. (laughs) You know, last year we had a video of uh, all the kids telling dad jokes for Father's Day. And this morning we have a video of the kids telling your mama jokes for Mother. I'm kidding, we don't. I'm kidding. Settle. Um, hey, I know that Mother's Day is a good and happy day, but it can also be a painful day um, for some. And we want you to know that we love you, and we're going to pray for our moms this morning. And when you leave, you're going to have a gift that's going to go to every adult lady uh, as you leave. We want every adult lady to have a, a gift from the bridge. And the reason we're doing that is because um, we have some spiritual moms that may not have biological children, and you are just as important as a spiritual mom as biological moms. And we're thankful for all of you. So we want to honor all of you today, but first we're going to pray. Father, we come to you this morning, and we are so thankful for the ladies uh, in, in our congregation We're thankful that you have placed them here. We need them. Um, They make us much better. We're thankful for our biological moms, and we're we're thankful for those who may not have biological children but are coming alongside other ladies or or other children and discipling them, and they're just as important. I I pray that... Um, where there may be grief this morning for people who have lost their mom or where there may be grief for for people who um, are hurting over over other things because of what Mother's Day brings to the table. God, I pray for peace and I pray for healing today for their souls. And we believe that you can and we want it. This gathering is yours. It's all about you. The speaker is weak. The speaker can stutter and stammer through words that land on people's ears and maybe are processed in their brain, but you speak to souls. And we acknowledge that we cannot do that. That is your work. And... We submit that we absolutely and completely need you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. John chapter 5, we're going to start in verse 1. Hopefully you're there. Uh, We're going to continue our series this morning called Pop Quiz, and we're looking at the questions that Jesus asked in the Scripture. 
And this morning is a vital, 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 vital question for every single one of us to look at. Y'all, I need you to look at this question, and I need you to process this question. I've been processing it all week. It, it may be um, second to none in, in, in the questions that Jesus asked. It may be tied for first, but it's second to none. I promise you, we have to process this question. And when Jesus asks it, it seems like a really obvious question with a really obvious answer. But when we process it, we may find out that it's not as obvious as we think it might be. And the question from John 5 is, do you want to get well? Interesting question. And when we read it, you may even say, why did you even ask that question? It's so obvious. But when we think about it, we may see that the answer is not always so obvious. John chapter 1. John chapter 5. I'm sorry. Verse 1. See there, I told you I stuttered. Or I told God I did. I wasn't talking to you. Um, after this, a Jewish festival took place and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. By the Sheep Gate in Jerusalem, there is a pool called Bethesda in Aramaic, which has, which has five colonnades. Within these lay a large number of the disabled, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man was there who had been disabled for 38 years. When Jesus saw him laying there and realized... He said, he, and, and realized he had already been there a long time, he said to him, do you want to get well? Been laying there 38 years, y'all. And he asked him, do you want to get well? Does that not seem like an obvious question with an obvious answer? Sir, the disabled man answered, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up, but while I'm coming, someone goes down ahead of me. There was this pool called Bethesda, and every so often, maybe once a year, uh, maybe not even once a year, there, it was over a spring, and the spring would bubble in the pool, and they believed that was an angel stirring the water, and the first person that got to the pool would be healed. That's what he's talking about here. Get up, Jesus told him. Pick up your mat and walk. Instantly, the man got well, picked up his mat, and started to walk. Now that day was the Sabbath, and so the Jews said to the man who had been healed, This is the Sabbath. The law prohibits you from picking up your mat. He replied, The man who made me well told me, Pick up your mat and walk. Who is this man who told you, Pick up your mat and walk? They asked. But the man who was healed did not know who it was because Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. After this, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you are well. Do not sin anymore so that something worse doesn't happen to you. The man went and reported to the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. Therefore, the Jews began persecuting Jesus because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. Jesus responded to them, responded to them My father is still working and I'm working also. This is why the Jews began trying all the more to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal to God. The first thing that we need to see in this passage, that I don't, I don't think there's any way we can understand it correctly if we don't see this. 
The first thing that, that has to be understood is that this is a physical circumstance revealing a spiritual truth. It's, it's not predominantly about this man who couldn't walk was laying on the mat. This is, this is Jesus pointing out spiritual things about our journey with him. Dustin, how do you know that? One way I know that is because John is a theological and doctrinal book. You have, you have four Gospels, right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Matthew, Mark, and Luke are called the synoptics. Synoptic means similar or same. They're, they're similar. Matthew, Mark, and Luke are all, all kind of similar. They've got the same stories, the same circumstances in them. They're written to specific people out there. John's different. John is not a synoptic. John is a, a doctrinal, it's a, it's a theological book. He, he wants you to understand Jesus' godness. Matthew and Luke start with the birth of Jesus. Mark starts with the ministry of Jesus. But I want, to, I want you to see what John starts with. John 1.1, 1, 1, it's on your screen. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. John didn't start with the birth of Jesus. He didn't start with the ministry of Jesus. He started with before time began. Jesus has always been. He didn't become God. He didn't become God at birth. He didn't become God at his ministry. He has always been God before the world was. John wants you to know the theology of Jesus and the doctrine of Jesus. Check out chapter 1, verse 14, how it describes Jesus right here. The word that it was just talking about became flesh and dwelt among us. And we observed his glory, the glory as the one and only son from the father, full of grace and truth. Jesus didn't become God. Jesus has always been God. He became man. He put on flesh, and he walked around the earth, and we beheld his glory. John's a theological book, but there's some specific clues in here too. It says that Jesus came in by the sheep gate, or the gate of the flock. If you look in Nehemiah, uh, when they were re rebuilding the walls of the place where, where Jesus was standing at that point, the people that worked on the sheep gate were goldsmiths. Now, I'm not sure that they put any gold on it, but why would you deploy the goldsmiths if you weren't going to use gold? And, and in the Bible, uh, gold represents authority. Gold represents king it's what the Ark of the Covenant was covered with. It was covered with gold. It's what one of the wise men... Siri needs to repent. Sorry. It's what one of the wise men delivered to Jesus at his birth. And they were saying, this baby has authority in this world. They didn't know exactly what all that was about. But gold represents authority. So this sheep gate was probably covered with gold. 
And then it says there's this pool called Bethesda. Bethesda means house of mercy. So here we are. We have the the cheap, the chief, not the cheap shepherd, the chief shepherd standing in the gate of the flock ready to use his authority to extend mercy to a broken person. And then there's one more thing. The guy's been laying there for 38 years. You think that's pretty specific? Like Jesus could have said, man, he's been there a long time. Or John could have said, we know he's been there a long time. But, but when you see something specific like that in the scripture, that's probably the author hinting at something that you need to know about. So I did this search about 38, and I saw a few things. Uh, some of the king's reign, actually Asa's reign as king of Jerusalem, as of Judea, was 38 years. So I saw 38 some, but not that much. But there was one key. In the book of Numbers, chapter 13, the people of Israel have been delivered out of slavery, and they've been in the wilderness for two years. And they come to this place called Kadesh Barnea. And they send out these 12 spies, one one spy from each tribe of Israel into the land that God had promised them called Canaan. And and they come back, the spies come back, and 10 of the spies say, say, "The, the people there are too big. We can't take it. But two of the spies said, my God is too big. We gotta take it. Caleb and Joshua were the only two out of the 12 that said, we can do this because of who our God is. But Caleb and Joshua almost got stoned. It is really hard for the majority to understand and to embrace the will of God sometimes, guys. So God says, well, if you're not going to do it, I've given you this land. If you're not going to do it, you're going to wonder a while longer until all of this generation dies. And they had been there two years. And then there's Deuteronomy 2.14, which describes the rest of the story. The time we spent traveling from Kadesh Barnea until we crossed the Zered Valley was 38 years. Until the entire generation of fighting men had perished from the camp as the Lord had sworn to them. Now we know that all sickness is not a sign that that person has sinned. But we also better understand that our sin can cause sickness. And I'm not going to argue with anybody about this. The scripture doesn't say this clearly. But I believe that this man that Jesus is talking to on the mat was on the mat because of what he had done in his life. I'm convinced that this guy had come to a crossroads where he was either going to embrace God's plan for his life or he was going to say no and be on the mat. Just like Israel had come to this place where they were either going to do and embrace what God had called them to do, take the promised land, or say no and be wandering, paralyzed in the wilderness for 38 years. This is a spiritual matter. It's a spiritual circumstance. This is, a, this is representing a spiritual paralysis. 
And Jesus is asking every single one of us, eye to eye, do you want to get well? Next thing I want us to see this morning, so vitally important for us to understand. Before we move on, I need to show you the other reason I think that. It's Jesus' response to him in verse 14. It's on your screen. After this, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you are well. Do not sin anymore so that something worse doesn't happen to you. That was Jesus' response. I'm convinced he was on the map because of his sin. The next thing we need to see in this passage is we tend to gravitate toward others with the same spiritual paralysis as us. In this passage, there are these colonnades, or colonnades, I don't know how you say it. And in our mind, if you want to imagine what they look like, they're probably going to look most like a back porch or a front porch. It is pretty good sized structure with some columns going up and then there is a roof over the top of them but they're open air and under these colonnades are all these people that are laying there and there ain't no way every single one of them is going to get to the pool but they have found each other because they got the same spiritual paralysis or physical in their case, but for us it's spiritual. And y'all, this is so true for us that when we're spiritually paralyzed, we somehow find the same people that have the same trouble that we have, or they find us one. If I'm bitter, I'm going to find other people that are bitter. And they're going to find me. If I'm racist, I'm going to find other people that are racist. And they're going to find, of the same skin color, that is. And they're going to find me and, and we're going to get together and we're going to talk about how, you know, those people that don't look like us, they're racist too. And, and we're going to get together and we're going to say, you know, we're not as racist as our grandmothers were. And before we know it, we, we, haven't, we haven't dealt with the thing that needs to be uprooted in our heart. We have found it as normal now because everybody I've surrounded myself with has the same struggle. You ever seen that before? We can, we can go through a list of any kind of paralysis you want to think about. If it's anxiety that's got you spiritually paralyzed, you'll find people that are anxious like you. And it's, it's no longer something that needs to be uprooted from our heart after a while. It is normal now. Or if it's, if it's politics that's got us spiritually paralyzed, we'll find other people that'll talk politics with us and we'll all be spiritually paralyzed together. And, and, and it's normal now. And, and before we know it, we're, we're laying on the mat, and Jesus is asking the question, hey, do you want to get well? And the answer isn't so obvious anymore. The answer may be, you know what? Jesus, I'm not even sure I'm sick anymore. 
That's what the guy says in the passage. Look at this verse right here that's going to be on your screen. By the sheep gate in Jerusalem, there is a pool called Bethesda. Next verse, sorry. My bad. I missed that one. Um, not that one. Uh, let me get up. Is there a next verse? Verse, yeah. Look at what the guy says. When Jesus saw him lying there and realized he had already been there a long time, he said to him, do you want to get well? Sir, the disabled man answered, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up, but while I'm coming, someone goes down ahead of me. Is that what Jesus asked? The guy responds saying, you know what? Maybe I'm not the one that needs to be healed, Jesus. Maybe it's the folks that won't let me get to the water that you need to go heal. Because if they would let me go to the water, the water would heal me. And when we're bitter, we say things like, you know what, Jesus, if you would go to the person that hurt me 38 years ago, I wouldn't be destroying my family with my bitterness right now. I'm not the one that needs to be healed. You need to go find that other guy that hurt me 38 years ago. I've only been mad for 38 years. Jesus, maybe it's not my racism that needs to be healed. Maybe it's the people that don't look like me. If you would fix them, I wouldn't be mad at them. Jesus, if you would go fix our government officials, our politics, I wouldn't be so stirred up and angry and, and filled with rage all the time. Maybe it's not me that needs to be healed. Maybe you're trying to heal the wrong person. Friend, Jesus did not walk up to the colonnades that were filled with all these sick people and say, hey, who wants to be healed? If he would have done that, he would have healed everybody else there and then that guy could have gotten to the pool. But he walked up to the one and he said, do you want to be healed? Jesus does not promise that our entire world is going to be fixed so that you can get better. It's not everybody else's fault. It's on us. And he's asking you, he's asking you, he's asking you, he's asking you, do you want to be healed? Everybody else may not get fixed. Everybody else ain't going to get fixed. But you can be healed. We love us. We love me. It's hard for me to acknowledge that I may be the one with the issue. But I'm exactly who Jesus is asking the question to. Do you want to get well? Because Jesus can heal you in the midst of all the chaos around you. And you can be fully well. And you can walk with him, journey with him. If you just say, yes, I do.
Y'all, this is a personal. Jesus, Jesus calls us to this personal following of him. It's not this, this wide cast thing that Jesus is doing. He, he says, do you want to be healed? And as long as we play the part of the victim, as long as we play the part of the blame for everybody else, we won't be healed. Do you want to be healed? Number three, Jesus is not interested in comforting us in our spiritual paralysis, but walking us out of it. Jesus almost seems cold in this passage. He asks him the question, do you want to be healed? And the guy says all that stuff, sir, I can't get to the pool because nobody will help me get to the pool. And then somebody jumps in front of me at the pool. I can't get to the pool. And Jesus does not even confront that at all. He doesn't say anything about that in response. This is what he says. Get up, Jesus told him. Pick up your mat and walk. He doesn't lay down next to him and say, man, you know what? I get it. People are so mean to you, aren't they? I love you. You know, you want me to go get you some water? What about some food? I hate people are ugly to you. Jesus says, brother, don't worry about and be consumed with all that. Don't find your identity in all that. Get up and walk. I have a journey for you. Did you notice that, that this man is not named in the scripture? His, his problem is named, but he's not named. And, and, and let me tell you what that represents sometimes. Sometimes we become so defined in our issue, in our problem, that we lose who we are in Him. Amen. Do you know what I'm saying to you? Well, I, I'm, I got this issue. I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm hurt. I'm hurt. I'm hurt. I'm not being cold to you. I'm not trying to be ugly to you. But get up and walk. You know what I'm saying? Don't embrace that. Don't let that cripple your journey. Don't let that paralyze you. Get up and walk. And this is painful, y'all. I don't know if you've ever been through a time uh, where you have quit using a set of muscles and then you had to restart using them again. I had a back surgery similar to Laney's uh, when I was 18, and they, they cut all my muscles away from my spine and it was uh, the first time after that surgery when my feet hit the floor everybody in that hospital heard me and they probably didn't think I was a preacher and I wasn't at the time so it was okay there was this other little girl that had a similar surgery to mine and and like the next day she was in a wheelchair and she 
came in my room and she was like, I'm going home, everything's cool. And I was like, get your little self out of here. I was screaming, I was hurting. And sometimes when we step into this, this new spiritual journey, it, it hurts a little bit. Hey, when, you, when you've been bitter for 38 years, forgiveness feels like a sin. Forgiveness feels like an injustice. When, you, when, you've, been, when you've been racist your whole life, diversity makes you uncomfortable. When, when, when you've embraced anger and, and rage your whole life, joy feels like a sin. This thing is painful. When we start journeying with Jesus, everybody may say, hey, pray this prayer and everything's going to be awesome for you after you trust Jesus. The, the, the journey's going to be painful. I haven't told you all this, and there's not a reason I haven't told you um, other than I just haven't. Um, but the bridge is a part of a group of churches called the Arkansas Delta Network Association. And it is a group of churches that have come together and we have tried to fix our minds on and, and pray to God and ask God to help us find a way to reach the Delta together. Um, we're focusing on church planting, church health, and outreach. And in the fall, they called me and asked me to lead that group, to, to be the chairman of that, that group of churches. Huge honor, um, incredible privilege, but it's, it's kind of like at this point in my life, I'm pastoring the bridge and I'm, I'm somewhat a pastor to pastors. So I want to ask you to pray for me in that. But we had them come, uh, and, and I'll tell you this too, most of them don't look like me. We're in the Delta, and we have some struggling churches, and we want them to reach people. And most of them don't look like me. But I consider it a great honor to get to lead this group. Amen. We had them in our rec space a few weeks ago, meeting with them, encouraging them, loving on them. And I told them at one point when I was talking to them, guys, if we're going to really, if we're really going to have a shot at reaching the Delta, there's some things that, that we're going to have to change. We can't continue doing the same thing and expect to reach different people. We've reached the good centers. We got to go after the bad ones now. One of the guys piped up and he said, Dustin, change is hard. But not changing is hard too. Choose your heart. This morning, if you, if you trust Christ and, and you answer the call, do you want to be healed? And you say, yes, it's going to hurt some. There's going to be friends that, that when you're around them, God's going to convict you about the things that are coming out of your mouth and coming out of their mouth while you're together. And he's going to say, don't do that. And you're going to have to back away from some friendships sometimes. And that's hard. I'm not cold to that. I don't want you to lose friends. That's going to hurt. But not changing is hard too. Staying on the mat's hard too. 
And this one lasts for eternity. If this morning you say, Jesus, I want to be healed from my bitterness. He's going to call you to forgive that person that wronged you 38 years ago. And that's hard. That's the forgiveness we experience. And Jesus says, if we don't do that in return, we really don't know what it means to be forgiven. So he's going to say, if you're going to follow me, you've got to forgive that person that did that really bad thing to you 38 years ago. And that's hard. But wallowing in your bitterness is hard too. Which heart are you going to embrace? One last thing before we go. Number four. Healing and conflict tend to walk together. Did you see that in the rest of the story? Jesus heals the man and and the first thing that the church people of the day see is that he's carrying a mat on Sunday or on Sabbath, Saturday, whatever y'all call that. And they're like, oh, you can't do that on Saturday. Mm -mm. Nothing about the guy's healing. Been laying there for 38 years. Nothing nothing exciting about that. Nothing about that. Just, man, you, you can't carry your mat today. And he's like, well, the guy that healed me told me to. Well, who healed you? He didn't even know. Until Jesus found him later on and says, don't sin. You're healed. Don't sin or something worse will happen to you. And he went back to the Jews, I guess, to clear his name. I mean, you got to think this is maybe the first time he's ever been able to go into the temple and, and walk in there. And he says, the guy Jesus healed me. And they were like, well, he's who we need to go after then because he can't be healing on the Sabbath. Friends, just just like I was telling those pastors the other day, we need to do what it takes to be healed by Jesus personally first, individually first, as a church first. Whatever Jesus tells us to do, we say yes because we want him to heal us. Hey, it's okay for Jesus to find you broken, but I promise you he's not going to leave you on the mat. He don't leave you there. Never. You're not the first one he's going to leave there. If you're you're really changed, you will get up and follow him. But we also have to do what it takes to bring his healing to other people, which may mean some different things. It may may look different and it may bring conflict to us. But listen, y'all, the more I follow Jesus, the the more I understand God, the more he grows me in following him, the more I have to be at peace with conflict. 
at peace with conflict outside, outside of me and at peace with conflict inside of me. Check this out, y'all. We follow a God that is, that is sitting on a throne and everybody around the throne is saying, holy, holy, holy. Nobody is bigger than you. Nobody is better than you. You are as perfect as perfect gets. That is the God we serve. And at the same time, the one on the throne when he walked this earth was called friend of sinners. Is that not conflicting in your soul a little bit that he's as holy as it gets but broken for the worst of sinner? Do you see how that's a conflict? If we're going to follow Jesus, we have to be at peace with conflict. That's weird to say. That's a conflict right there. But if we're going to follow Jesus, we have to be at peace with conflict. Really follow Jesus. Now, we can fake follow Jesus if we want to. But if we're genuinely going to follow Jesus, we better understand we're going to have conflict within and without. Do you want to get well? Jesus is offering it. But really, do you want to get well? You know, we say this a lot about addicts. You know, Dustin, this person's addicted. But you know, I'm going to be honest with you. Until he wants it, until he wants to be changed, until she wants to be free from her addiction, she's not going to be changed. He's not going to be changed. And to that I say amen. Amen. But I also say amen that every other sin can replace the word addict. We could say, Dustin, he's bitter. He's bitter. But you know, until he wants freedom from bitterness, he can't be healed from bitterness. Jesus is saying, do you want to get well? But every individual in this room has to answer. Do you? Because let me tell you something, and here's the best part. That's, that's not a great part, that we're all broken. But here's the best part. There's this healing pool called mercy. And you don't have to climb on your forearms to get to the pool because this pool will walk up to you. And he will say, with all the compassion of heaven and all the glory of heaven, do you want to get well? 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 Get up and walk. We call on unbelievers here that if we want to trust Jesus for the first time, we call on, on, on him to stand up. And, you know, there's a reason we do that. It's not to embarrass anybody. Um, but Jesus is worthy of us to say, I want to follow Jesus. Jesus does not deserve people. When he's offering us to get well, he does not deserve people to say, I'll follow Jesus. 
No, he deserves. I want to get well. But sometimes as believers, we can become just as paralyzed. You know that? We can get in a funk and become so passionate about these other things that are going on around us, these lesser things, that we cannot move in our journey with Jesus. If he says forgive, we have become so paralyzed we can't forgive. Or, or if he says, go, we know that we have ruined our story of him so much, our story of this pool called mercy that has come to us, that we can't go where he's telling us to go. And we are paralyzed. And this morning, I want our people called the Bridge Church to lay all that down. We're not called to be paralyzed together. We're called to pick each other up and go. So this morning, if you are in this spiritual paralysis, you are already a believer, you are already a follower of Jesus, but you have become so much in a wad that you can't move any direction for him that he's telling you to go, I want to ask you to stand up. It's going to take some boldness. It's going to, it's going to take some, some other things, but I want you to stand up and say, hey, I need, I need to follow Jesus. Friend, when you see somebody stand up, y'all go to them. We're going to pray. Go to them right now. We're not, we're not a hidden church. We go and we pray and we walk together. Go find somebody. Praise the Lord for somebody that say, I've been handicapped, but I don't want to be. I want to walk. Hey, I want to walk with you if you want to walk. I don't care what you've done. I want to walk with you if you're willing to say, I want to walk. Lord Jesus, we come to you this morning, and I'm so thankful that, that we have these people in our, in our midst that are willing to say, hey, forget all that. Forget all that. I want to pick up the thing that's been carrying me, and I want to carry it. Hey, these people may still be anxious. They may still deal with anger. They may still, with, still deal with uh, bitterness. They may still deal with unforgiveness, but praise the Lord that they have stood up. Praise you, Father, that you are so much at work in them that they're willing to say, forget all that. God, would you give them people in their life to walk with them and not be paralyzed with them? Will you give them people that will speak truth to them? God, call them to walk. I know you don't need them. I know you don't need me. But we need them. I pray that they pick up the mat. I pray that today is the farthest they'll ever be from you again. That they'll only grow towards you from this day forward. And only follow you. No matter what. I pray that their answer is yes, no matter what you ask them to do. May we be people who walk. We do not want to embrace paralysis here. In Jesus' name, amen.
So there's another group of us potentially here. that your, your spiritual paralysis is on a different level. Sometimes we can get paralyzed even after we've embraced Jesus, but if we have not yet embraced Jesus, we are definitely paralyzed. And I know some of you have been counting the cost And hey, that's great. We want to give you space to count the cost. We want to give you, uh, man, before you follow Jesus, we want want this thing to be real. We got enough people that are claiming the name of Jesus that that have prayed a prayer at vacation Bible school and have not done one thing walking with him since they were six years old. And we got enough of that. So we want you to count the cost. But we have been praying for a day when Jesus would look you in the eyes and would say, do you want to be healed? And you might give him all your excuses, and he just says, come on, son. Come on, daughter. Just get up and walk. And man, we're praying that for you. And I want to give you the opportunity to stand up too. If Jesus is calling you for the first time to stand up and say, hey, Man, I ain't going to get it right. I ain't going to get it right. I ain't going to get it right every time. I ain't going to get it right most times. But I'm going to walk. I might limp. But I'm going to walk. If you want to do that, I want to give you the opportunity to do that right now. If you've never trusted Jesus for the first time and you want to this morning, stand up right now. I know that takes boldness. We don't do this to embarrass you. Heck, you may have just come because it was Mother's Day. You ain't even here to deal with all this. This is a lot, Dustin. I ain't even here to deal with this. I'm here to hug my mama. (laughs) Jesus may be saying, yeah, you're here for this. Do you want to stand up and trust Jesus for the first time? I'll give you a few more seconds. Father, we come to you now. And thank you for being at work this morning. God, I thank you for those who are willing to stand up and say, man, we have, we've been spiritually per- paralyzed, but we don't want to be anymore. And Father, if the truth was told, there was a lot more of us that needed to stand as well. Father, I just, I just want you to wreck us. I just want you to wreck our souls for you. We don't have an agenda. We don't, we don't have some, some crazy church stuff going on. We just want you. We, we want to walk with you. We want to be like you. We want you in us. We want people to see you at work in us. We want people to say, oh my goodness, I know that guy. I know that girl. And something's up with them. 
will you wreck our souls to be only and forever about you? In Jesus' name, amen.